Yeah. Peanut butter inside. Outside. Cocaine white body look like Gentiles. Yeah. Turned up today, man. Y'all ready for the J-Matt show? I want to welcome y'all to show 31. I'm your host, J-Matt. If y'all hear that noise, that's some. they outside cutting down some trees next door. It's loud as shit, but this ain't about to... Ain't about to stop my show. Nigga got something to say today. I'm going to try to keep it um, together. This one of them shows where I got a lot of uh, inspiration within the past few days. And um, my thoughts kind of... It's weird how they come together. It's weird how they come together. For anybody that's new to the J-Match show, I want to welcome y'all to the J-Match show. I know that most people... Will not go back into archives and kind of like listen to the show to get familiar with who I am, some of the content, what the show is about, how I roll. I get it. I get it. I'm not going to blame y'all. So you might hear me kind of reiterate some things from the past that I've heard. So if you've been rocking with me from the beginning, I apologize. But this is just a refresher. Some people just need to know where I'm coming from. All right. So. What I want to start by saying is I'm free <laughs> I'm free to speak my mind I have no Nobody that I am reporting to I have no superiors I have nobody to answer to I have nobody that can shame me I have no type of guilt That can be placed on me From anyone or anything I'm free to speak my mind And be myself it hasn't always been that way. I'll be the first to admit. I had to work myself up to the point where I feel like I can be free and open and honest with whoever hears my voice on whatever platform I'm on. I got to be I got to be ready for that shit. You got to be ready for the comments. You got to be ready for whatever comes back whether di- disagreement, hate, love, you got to be ready for all that shit. So I built myself up to a point where I felt like I could be free. But one of the key aspects to me being free to speak my mind and be myself on this podcast the way I am around my house or, or wherever is my authentic self is I had to reconcile the issues that I was having with religion. I'm going to leave it at that because I am going to speak a little bit about some religious shit. But it all makes sense. I'm telling you. My shit makes sense. If you follow me. Stick with me. But I guess. I guess there's a lot of confusion. At the core. Of a lot of people. Which results in. The outward showing. Of insecurities. A lot of. A lot of um, our personality. And what is projected to the world comes from whether we know and are confident, whether we don't know and we're unsure. It bubbles out in different ways and it manifests itself in different aspects of your life and in different situations. It's different contexts, everything. So I try to speak in generalities. But of course, you can apply this situation or these situations to that of your own life and what you're going through or whatever. Whatever it is, do you. 
Where should I start? Damn. Um, let's start here. Yesterday, out the blue, I'm picking up my son from basketball practice. And he asked me, <laughs> I swear, this is out the blue. He said, is Mary God's wife? I'm talking about Mary of the Bible. I said, is Mary God's wife? No, Mary's not God's wife. Mary is Jesus' mom. He's like, oh, I didn't know that. I thought Mary was God's wife. I said, no. Nah. God don't have a wife. He's like, well, which one is the son again and which one is the dad? I said, God is the dad and Jesus is the son. He's like, oh, that was, yeah, that's confusing sometimes. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I get it. That could be confusing. Then he sits there and he thinks about it a little bit more and he says, oh, wait a second. He said, so... How did Jesus get in Mary and how is Jesus Mary's mom if God doesn't have a wife and God is the dad? I said, oh, shit. I didn't say that out loud, but in my head, I'm like, God damn, shit. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's confusing. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? He's like, yeah. Yeah, it's a little uh, confusing. And I was like, man, my son is smart as shit. And I just had this proud-ass moment as we driving home. And I'm like, man, damn it, I love my fucking kids. My children. First off, I want to tell everybody. If you don't believe that your children pay attention to you and look to you for guidance and, all your, and, and answers and what they look to you for what's right and what's wrong, you are... You, you, you're lying to yourself You're lying to yourself I tell my children At least A few times a month That questioning Is the highest form of intelligence And that you guys You two kids are super intelligent Because you ask questions Never stop asking questions And they say How is asking questions Intelligent I said very very simple if someone told you something and you didn't ask about how they could got to this answer or why they believe this to be true, but you just accept it and say, oh, okay, I guess that's what it is. And you don't use your brain to think about what they just said, then you're not showing intelligence. You're not using your mind. You're just accepting things that are given to you and said to you as truth. So if you are constantly accepting things without using your brain to dissect and ask the how this got here or, or how did you get to this conclusion or where did this inspiration come from? You're not using intelligence. By asking questions, you're using the brain and the mind that God gave you. Reasoning. You're using your senses. Without that, you're just a robot. And just a sidebar, that's what that's really what our society wants us to be. They don't want us to really critically think about anything. Just accept the truth that they give, move on, do your job, pay your bills. So I remind them all the time, never stop questioning. And I encourage them to ask questions. 
prime example of, of, of how your kids look to you for answers. My wife made some chicken noodle soup the other day. <laughs> so I, I was craving some, some classic chicken noodle soup. It was cold shit. Like, ugh, I would love some chicken noodle soup. She makes creamy chicken noodle soup. She liked to remix shit. So I'm, we sitting at the table, we eating, and I'm like, I'm a little disappointed that I don't have my classic soup in front of me. And I'm kind of, I'm eating it, and Jacob, he looking at me, he like, is it good? And I was like, I had to, for a quick second, I'm like, if I say I don't like the soup or it's not good, he's immediately going to take on that energy and not like the soup and think it's not good. He ain't even took a bite yet. He just looking at me. I know my son, This he would have been like, if I said, no, I don't really like, he would have been like, yeah, me either. I'd be like, Jacob, you didn't try it yet. Yeah, but it don't look good. That's what he would have said. <laughs> That's, I know it. But I said, no, it's good. He's like, oh. And then he starts eating the soup with no problem. I didn't impart my bias on him about the soup because he's impressionable. He looks to me for answers. So if I would have told him, no, I didn't care for the soup. And then he internalizes that he's going to miss out on some nourishment that he needs for his body. Just based on my opinion about the food, even though I need the food for nourishment as well. It's nourishment. It may not be delivered to me the way that I want it. But it's food for me and my soul. Do you get do y'all get this? He needs that nourishment. So I'm not going to spoil the nourishment with my opinion. I'm going to let him taste the food and have his own opinion about whether it's good or not. Y'all, y'all marinate on that. So coming back to my, my thoughts about this podcast. And I thought about, you know, the conversation I had with my son and how things are confusing and and how impressionable people are and, you know, biases and things like that. I'm like, man, the world can be super confusing. And the day before that, I was online and I came across a post for Jamal Bryant's first sermon at New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. For those who don't know, New Birth Missionary Baptist Church was founded by Bishop Eddie Long. I don't know when, but it's in Atlanta, Georgia. And I recently learned that New Birth is uh, owners of like 200 plus acres. One of the, I think it's either the the most land owned by a black church in America or maybe it's just the most land owned period. I don't know, but it's a lot of fucking land. That Bishop Eddie Long started this church from scratch. And I'm not going to get into any of the controversy or anything surrounding him. You can formulate your own opinions about that as well. But I found it interesting because it's been a few years since Bishop Eddie Long passed. And they have not uh, installed a new executive, senior, whatever, uh, pastor. So I recently learned that Pastor Jamal Bryant uh, was chosen out of a candidate pool of like 100 some odd people to be the pastor and i was just like man it's first sermon let me check this out this should be interesting also another sidebar i am i am a fan of public speaking 
I love to watch public speaking because that's kind of the space that I've adopted, you know, with the podcast and, you know, I was making videos on Facebook and YouTube and I'm about to get back into that. So I'm a fan of, of, of studying public speakers and um, part of the reason I got into studying public speakers is because I was involved in network marketing a few years back and it was a huge push for people in network marketing to go to these events and hear these speakers. I said, what the fuck, is, what the fuck can somebody say? To make you increase your business the way that these people say, oh, if you go to the event, these people that go to the event, they make blah, blah, blah. what? How is that true? What makes listening to people talk? What makes that improve your own like ability in sales? Like, what is it? So check out a couple of these things, events, and I, I, I watch some public speaking, motivational speakers online, Les Brown and E.T., the whatever preacher and just all these people at this time i was also finding my way out of the church so i was just listening to sermons online listening to a lot of td jakes and uh just a lot of pastors and just listening to them i found that there was not much difference between the motivational speakers and network marketing around the different circuits online and the the baptist preachers that i was paying attention to i said Hmm, these are exact they're they're the same they're they're uh the way they formulate their talk is kind of the same you know you add gotta add some humor in there you kind of have to add some a source of a, a fact that you you drew from some inspiration um uh, a real life application of your topic it's, it's it's all the same type of format so i was like this is interesting. Why is motivational speaking so popular now? Why have have preachers adopted this form of speaking as opposed to actually teaching the scriptures their religion is based on? I find that I just think I just think about this internally. I'm like, this is our this is motivational talk. Then I start uh, to learn. Uh, just a few weeks back, I started to find out about exegesis. Look at look it up. Exegesis. This is something that preachers use to help um, bring to life their point in the message or their sermon. Um, which is loosely related to whatever scripture is chosen for that message. So it's based exegesis is, is, is in a nutshell. And this is, I don't have the definition in front of me. It's kind of you take a scripture and then you apply your own type of. Um, uh, you kind of add your own narrative on top of the scripture in a way that you feel like can best relate the message to your audience. So you don't necessarily stay on point with the scripture. You kind of take that scripture and then you say, all right, well, I can use this to relay this message in a different type of a way. So once I figure out what that was, I start to notice a little bit more of what I thought was going on all my years in church, which was this shit ain't got nothing to do with the damn verse he said. <laughs> but now that I know that that's normal. I'm not too, I, I, you know, I don't really get hung up on that anymore. But back to, back to what I was saying about 
the confusion. The verse that Jamal Bryant chose for his sermon was Acts 28, 1 through 6. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it, but I will summarize it for the purpose of, 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 of the podcast and what I, what I want to get to. So Acts 28, 1 through 6, you know, Acts is, a, Acts is a book of Paul. So let me summarize this for you. So. Damn that truck loud. So anyway. Paul finds himself on, I don't know if it was an island, but some land is called Miltia or Milsha or something like that. So he's on this land and um, the people there are referred to as as barbarians. Right. Paul's there and. He's a little bit surprised based on the reputation, reputation of the people in this land as to how hospitable they were to him. When he arrived, when he arrived, it was cold, rainy, and they gave him shelter and and they built a fire and they were very, very kind to him. Paul was he was taken back by how kind they were. He wasn't expecting this. You know, they're they're referred to as barbarians. So they're sitting around the fire, getting getting warm and everything. And and uh, they go to throw some some more logs on the fire and out of the fire comes a viper. And this viper, trying to escape the heat of the fire, latches on to Paul's hand and bites him. Now, the barbarians see are, are sitting around the fire and they're watching this happen. And they're like, oh, shit, that's a viper. That motherfucker is poisonous. It ain't going to be too long before this nigga keel over and die. So they just watching this shit. Right now, Paul. The text says that Paul just shakes the viper off his hand back into the fire. The, the viper burns up. Now, after he shakes his hand free of the viper, the barbarians is like, yep, in a minute, he about to swell up. He about to fall over. He going to have convulsions and he's going to die. We're about to watch this nigga die. Now, the barbarians heard about Paul and his reputation of a murderer, persecutor of the Christians or Jews. Or whatever, I don't whatever they were called Christians, they were Christians. Or believers in Christ at the time. So he heard. He, they heard about this. And they're like you know what. That's karma. You might have been able to escape. Everybody that was after your head. By way of the sea. But karma got a way. Of catching up to you. And this is Paul's karma. In their head. This is what they're saying. This is Paul's karma. Now. Some time passes. And. Paul doesn't get he don't swell up he don't start convulsing he don't drop to the ground and he shows no sign or ill effects of this venomous point uh snake bite instead Paul goes on as if he never even got bit by the snake as if the the snake wasn't even venomous to begin with nothing happens to Paul so when they see this they say oh wow he's not evil He's not He's not subject to karma He must be a god Now I'm going to end there There's much more to go And I, I always suggest you read The rest of the text for context But that's where Pastor Jamal Bryant stops So that's where I'm going to stop for the sake of the story Now 
Jamal Bryant goes on to make some comparisons with the snake. He compares the snake to Dracula. Now, before he does that, he actually says that in the Garden of Eden, there was a de demonic invasion. A demonic invasion took place in the Garden of Eden. Now, y'all know about the story of the serpent in the Garden of Eden. If you don't know, look it up. But the serpent was supposed to be Satan in the Garden of Eden. And he was supposed to be the one who lied and deceived Eve into eating of the forbidden fruit. And the fruit that came from the forbidden tree was the tree of knowledge. Keep that as a sidebar. Now, someone tell me, if you can, prior to the story of the, of the Genesis story of Garden of Eden, can someone show me or tell me or send me the story before Eden in the Bible where the serpent or the snake was the representative of lies, deceit, and evil. Now, I ask that because I haven't come across that story. And the stories prior to the Garden of Eden Genesis story, I found that the serpent represented wisdom, knowledge, the circular motion, the, the circular motion of endlessness and eternity now this is this is what i find prior to the genesis story it's a symbol of resurrection but when we get to the garden it's now a symbol of lies deceit and evil the snake in the garden is telling you not to eat from the tree that gives you wisdom. Hmm. I just want y'all to marinate on that. Now, here's where here, here's where things get confusing. And this is what I'm talking about when we talk about confusion and how it manifests itself in our, our daily lives. I'm gonna give another example. I'm gonna try to tie all this shit together. I'm gonna try to tie it all together. I had a conversation with a family member and I asked this question. And I'm gonna ask this question to you guys too because I think it's very important as we go into 2019. And it was funny though because this is, this is another note on this sermon. He used this as one of those things where he said that in 2019, I'm not messing with no more snakes. You know, he got some amens on that one. Hallelujah, amen, yeah. Yes, sir. My Lord. I'm not messing with no more snakes. Like, have we not heard this before? Is there any New Year's sermon that's original? Do you have to give a New Year's sermon 
about leaving the old and and coming into the new old things but like <laughs> do these sermons really help anybody like you hear the same shit every fucking year I just want to know I just want to know this is motivational talk and I, the reason another reason I'm mentioning this sermon is because he didn't teach on the text all he did was take the snake biting Paul and go straight to his exegesis speech his title of his sermon was called bite me that reminded me of another pastor here in Cleveland Ohio by the, by the name of R.A. Vernon who had a, a sermon that he entitled F.U. Remixing Fuck You with I forgive you so it's not fuck you I forgive you so F.U. means forgive you not fuck you now bite me usually is is a derogatory term as well that we use bite me nigga suck my dick fuck you kiss my ass bite me no no we're gonna remix that too so we're gonna remix that and say you could bite me all you want all you want serpent you devil you evil person you i'm gonna shake you off into the fire you can't touch me. Exegesis talk. So it's, it's, it's cool to remix derogatory shit. So it's, it's cool to remix the derogatory shit and make it something positive. But we take the positive nature of the snake prior to the story of the, of the, of the Garden of Eden. And we remix that and we allow them to remix that into something evil. And we believe it with no questions asked not me but i asked this question to you guys and this family member to further elaborate this idea of confusion i said what's more important to you your audience and your audience would be the people that are receiving whatever it is you have to say whether it's verbal or written your audience or the feedback that your audience will give you regarding the information they just received from you. What's more important? Now, I ask this for a very specific reason. I don't like to, to waste my time or my breath. I'm very calculated in the words I use. I say what I mean. I mean what I say. Some people think that, I, that that's some bullshit, but it's actually not. I might say some harsh shit. I might apologize for hurting your feelings because my attention isn't to hurt your feelings. But what I said, I actually meant. So I'm not going to apologize for what I said. I'm going to apologize for hurting your feelings. But I meant what the fuck I said. No matter how harsh, brash, or disrespectful you might think it is. I'm not about to say shit just for effect. I fucking mean that shit. So I'm not going to waste my time or my thoughts or my energy and putting together some words for you that I feel like will help you for you to only brush my shit off as inconsequential. Brush me off as having not, no substance at all. You got me fucked up. 
So I asked this question so I don't waste my time. So here we go. I think that this question is pretty straightforward, but I guess there are some different contexts that need to be laid out for understanding. I said, I use, I said this, I said, imagine you're a comedian and you have five people that come to your show, just five, just five people. Is it more important to you as a comedian that five people came to your show? Or would it be more important to you that those five people gave you feedback about your performance? Hey, well, what do you mean? What's the context? Oh, you need another context. Here you go. Because I can understand how you could be grateful that people just showed up to see you. You're just grateful that they're there. But the feedback might be something that would allow you to double or triple your audience at your next show. Okay. This is how I take it. All right, let's let's say let's say you're instead of that being if that's too confusing or if you if that's not enough information, let's say you're Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart just sold 17,000 seats in Australia. He's been selling out arenas around the world for for past 3 years. If you're Kevin Hart, you probably don't give a fuck about the feedback because your name precedes itself. You need no and Kevin Hart needs no introduction when he walks into a room. So the audience probably means more than the feedback at this point in his career. He has a track record. He's been doing it. When you have that loyalty, that means that your track record speaks for itself. So that kind of demonstrates that you've really kind of perfected this at this point. Kevin Hart has perfected his stand-up. At this point, he's, he's moving on to bigger, better things. He don't need your feedback on how to have a better performance. He's climbed the ladder to the point where he's just grateful that you are here, that you're still here. Now, if his audience starts to decline, he might start putting more stock into that feedback from that crowd. But if you are not one of the blue checkmark people on Instagram, if you are not one of the comedians selling out arenas, but you aspire to get to that level, if you have not gotten to the point where you can have a successful relationship, friendship or intimate partnership, the feedback might be helpful to you. It might be helpful. I've been married for 12 fucking years. I've been with my wife for over 15 total. I don't need, at this point, I don't really need feedback from other people that are married because I've been invested for a very long time. I don't need the feedback as much as I did 10 years ago. Do y'all follow me? So, when I get the answer back that the audience is more important, I know that I, I should scale back and I should not be as invested in giving said feedback 
Because most people, in my opinion, who value the audience more than the feedback, are attention whores. You're attention seekers. You just want people to listen to you. You don't really have any interest in engaging in a conversation where there's back and forth, where you can be challenged on your thought. You just want to use people as sounding boards. You just want to hear yourself talk. You just want to put whatever is in your mind out to the world and, and be done with it. Talking for you is therapy. Now, listen, I, talking for me is therapy. But do y'all understand I, how often I've been asking for feedback from you guys on my show? I need to know what the fuck is good. What you want more of? What you need less of? What do you like? What you don't like? Ideas. I'm trying to grow from a little local podcast to a global podcast. So it's not, I'm just not appreciative that I have faithful listeners every week. I'm not appreciative of the, uh, the hundreds of, uh, of, of listens that I get. I want to hear from you guys. The feedback is more important because where I'm trying to go is more important. If you don't value the feedback, I'd argue that you're a little bit confused as to what's most important to you. You're a little confused. The confusion can come from many different areas. But if you're allowing too many outside stimuli or too many outside influences, too many outside non-important things to come into your realm, you might get a little jaded about, you might get a little persuaded you might get a little jaded about what it is you're doing. You might think you're on the right track when you got derailed five miles ago. But your audience, your audience is giving you feedback and it's one sided. See, some people like to hear just good shit all the time. Some people just want to hear the good. They don't want to deal with the bad. And when all you hear is good shit, internally you're confused as to the direction that you're on. You're thinking you're on track A, but you're really further down track B. And it's going to be harder for you to write your course. You're confused. You're confused. There's feedback out there. There's feedback out there. But you got to accept the good with the bad. You got to accept the good with the bad. What is your truth? What's true to you? Where does your truth come from? What are you going to do differently Tomorrow, fuck next year. What are you going to do differently tomorrow that will assist you in getting closer to your personal goal, 
closer to your pursuit of truth, happiness, than you did today. Fuck waiting until next year. Get the confusion about yourself so that you can write your path. Let me just go back to the sermon for a minute and we talk about this confusion. I talked about the serpent. I talked about my, my son and, and his confusion with just the idea of God and, and having a son and having a mom without there being a full family structure. Good Lord, if that ain't confusing to a kid, I don't know what is. The confusion of, 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 of eating fruit from a tree of knowledge and wisdom would be bad. Why is it bad to have knowledge and wisdom? When the Bible also says my people will perish for a fucking lack of knowledge. Talk about confusing. How the fuck is it that the serpent is a representation of evil lies and deceit in the garden? Then you fast forward to the book of Job. And God hollers at Satan and say, where the fuck you been? This nigga said, I've been walking to and fro in and out of the earth. Snakes don't fucking walk. When did the truth get remixed? Why did the truth get remixed? Why are we remixing our own fucking truth? Why are we so fucking confused internally? We are in a world created by snakes. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. The snakes are the ones telling you not to ask any fucking questions. The snakes is the ones telling you, oh, yeah, you don't need nobody else. You got it. You got it. You don't need no information from nobody else. Just take what the fuck I'm telling you. It's true for me, so it must be true for you. No. No. We got to end the confusion. Now. Start getting right with yourself now. Stop lying to yourself today. Stop faking yourself out today. Fuck next year. Next year might be too fucking late to get started. You might let somebody gas your ass up all through 2018. You think you're going to stop getting gassed up in January? Fuck out of here. You like that goddamn petroleum. Niggas is shoving up your ass. You like that diesel fuel niggas is flaming around you. You love being gassed up. You love being told you're great when deep inside you know you're fucking flawed and you're nothing nowhere near being great. You know you got a long ass ways to go. But you present yourself as a finished product. Jamal Bryant, he killed me. He killed me. 2019, I ain't messing with no more snakes. Okay. Who was the snakes that you was messing with in 2018? Fucked hard. 
Demonic invasion in the Garden of Eden. Demonic invasion. <sighs> we got to start. We got to start using a, a better, a better. I don't know what a, a better measuring stick for shit. But it starts with you. You got to figure out what truth is to you. And you got to stand on that shit. Stop fucking being wavered in truth by outsiders that don't have your best interest at heart. Stop dealing with only the positive and not the negative all the time. You had to deal with both. You got to deal with both. Pressure busts pipes, but it also forms diamonds. Now I'm going to go ahead and get off before I fucking go crazy. But it was some fun. It was some other funny shit that happened during this sermon. I swear this sermon should not, in my opinion, it shouldn't have been publicized because this seemed like it was a private conversation that he was having with the members of Newburgh. There was no teaching that went on. It was only motivational speak. And it sounded like a recruiting session for the church. I don't want to be, I don't, you know, I didn't want to be critical of his sermon, but I feel like this should have been a closed off type of thing. This shouldn't have been broadcast to the world. He was speaking directly to his congregation. This, he also, he also made some promises to the congregation and he spoke on behalf of God. See, this is the type of shit. This is why I'm watching this and I'm like, man, this is scary. This is why I don't want, this is why I don't go to church. He also made the point of saying that anointed people deal with attacks that other people don't like lesser anointed people don't deal with the same type of snake bites that Paul did. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. So, so, so anointed people deal with more shit than non-anointed people. Prove it with your rich ass. Fuck out of here. Towards the end of his sermon, like I, now, listen, I had to pause it like four or five times. And during the pause, I'm like, man, I'm about to turn this shit off. But I was like, some said, man, just finish it, man. Just finish it. I did this shit like four or five times. Pausing, like, man, I'm turning this shit off. He started the the the, the fake speaking in tongues shit. The hama, hama. This thing up there, like, yeah, 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 yeah. What the fuck? Hamashata. Man, if you. Hamashata? That shit about a Honda? Don't do that fake speaking in tongues. And right before he did that, he did. No, I'm sorry. He did that. And then he starts making promises that God told him to tell the congregation. He said, he raised his hand and said, I killed. The snake of cancer in your life. Oh, everybody go crazy. Oh, so he's killing cancer now. So he's healing cancer. Mr. Jab All you got to do is go to Jabal Bryant's new birth sermons and he's going to fucking heal your whole family of cancer. Hamashata. This nigga says, and the Lord told me to tell you, whoever shouts again. Tell them I'm paying off their biggest bill in 2019. Oh, Lord! 
Lord! Oh, Lord! They went crazy for paying off the bills in 2019. They went crazy for that shit. I guess the tithes ain't enough. He killing the snakes of big bills now. Are we to believe this shit? Or is it just something to make us feel good so we could get through the rest of the week? What is it that we are looking for? What is it that we're looking for? I'm asking you, are you going to be like my son with the chicken noodle soup? Are you are you like my son looking for me to tell him whether it's good or bad? When deep down all he needs is nourishment. Nourishment. Man. I hope everything works out for everybody in 2019. Actually, I hope every everything starts to work out for you tomorrow. I hope that the confusion starts to get resolved. I hope that you start to internalize your questions about your own life, about your aspirations, goals, and what you need for nourishment of your own soul. And start to make that very clear. And, and you start to incorporate all the agents of the world To assist you in realizing your goal. No man is an island. No man stands alone. You can't do it by yourself. You're going to have to ask questions. And you're going to have to accept the feedback. Good and bad. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to be clear, concise about who you are, what you want, where you're going. And set your path in accordance to that direction. Snakes aside. Don't let Jamal Bryant, me or anybody else tell you who the snakes are or what the snakes are in your life. If the snakes were so fucking evil, the source of lies, deceit, deception, or the, or the representation or the symbol of that, why the fuck would you bring that shit on the goddamn boat? Why would you save the representation of evil, lies, deceit, deception? You gonna bring that on the... On the God's gonna command him, Noah, to bring that on the boat with him? No, that don't sound right. Get the confusion out. Get the confusion out your life. And stand bold. Stand firm on what's true to you. J-Mash Show. Till next time. Love y'all.